Indian Creek Baptist Church. Uh, we had a great Sunday school this morning. Sunday school starts at 9.30. Uh, we try to have the evening, the morning service start at 10.30, the evening service at 6, and then a Wednesday evening service at 7. Um, try to get as much time in the Word of God and uh, under the preaching as we can so that we can live a glorious life serving Him. Things get messed up. Sorry, my technology is giving me fits today. We are going to be in uh, the book of Esther, Esther chapter 3. That's uh, where we're going to pick up today. We have come through uh, quite a bit in the life of Esther. We've seen, uh, been introduced to the king Ahasuerus. We've been introduced to the Queen Vashti, who refused to obey the king and was removed. Uh, we talked about Esther and Mordecai being brought into the kingdom and how uh, Esther became queen. And then last week we were introduced to Haman the Agagite and saw, maybe learned a little bit of his lineage and saw maybe why he was so uh, keyed up on getting rid of all the Jews and not just Mordecai. Uh, this week, uh, we're going to continue uh, to expound on a, a little more on maybe the motives of uh, or Mordecai's life. There, there were some things as I was studying this week and, and listening to some other uh, text as we drive back and forth to work that were brought to my mind uh, as we looked at Mordecai and, and uh, the things that are going on in his life and what has caused us at this point for Haman uh, what has brought us to the point where Haman is ready to destroy the entire nation of Israel. So we're going to back up just a little bit, and uh, we're going to look at Mordecai, but we're going to continue on uh, still in Esther chapter 3 and verse number 7, and uh, we're going to read down through the end of the chapter, and then we'll, we'll tie it all back together. So Esther chapter 3 and verse number 7. In the first month, that is the month of uh, Nisan, sorry, I want to say Nisan, but it's Nisan, in the twelfth year of King Ahasuerus, they cast pure, which is the lot, before Haman from day to day, and from month to month, to the twelfth month, that is the month Adar. And Haman said unto King Ahasuerus, There is a certain people scattered abroad and dispersed among the people in all the provinces of thy kingdom, and their laws are diverse from all people. Neither keep they the king's laws. Therefore it is not for the king's profit to suffer them. If it please the king, let it be written that they may be destroyed, and I will pay ten thousand talents of silver to the hands of those that have the charge of the business, to bring it into the king's treasuries. And the king took his ring from his hand, and gave it unto Haman, the son of Hamadatha, the Agagite, the Jew's enemy. And the king said unto Haman, The silver is given to thee, the people also, to do with them as it seemeth good to thee. Then were the king's scribes called on the thirteenth day of the first month, and there was written according to all that Haman had commanded unto the king's lieutenants and to the governors that were over every province and to the rulers of every people of every province according to the writing thereof and to every people after their language in the name of the king Ahasuerus was it written and sealed with the king's ring. And the letters were sent by post into all the king's provinces to destroy, to kill, and to cause to perish all Jews, both young and old, little children and women, in one day, even upon the thirteenth day of the twelfth month, which is the month Adar, and to take the spoil of them for a prey. 
the copy of the writing for a commandment to be given in every province was published unto all the people, and they should that they should be ready against that day. And the post went out, being hastened by the king's commandment, and the decree was given in Shushan the palace, and the king and Haman sat down to drink. But the city, Shushan, was perplexed. Let's pray. Father God, again, we love you. We thank you for this glorious day. Lord, we thank you for giving us your word, for preserving it for all of these years. Lord, I pray that you would speak to us through it today. Lord, that this would not be my opinions, but we would compare Scripture with Scripture and we would see the differences and, and see the truth that you would have for us. So God, as we dig a little deeper into Mordecai and, and then see uh, the destiny of the Jews, I just pray uh, that you would guide and direct, Lord, that you would work in us, that you would show us uh, the truths that you would have, that you would speak to our hearts. We love you and we thank you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now, Haman is mad. He's uh, verse number, um, verse number thirteen, and the letters were sent by post unto all the king's provinces to destroy, to kill, and to cause to perish all Jews, both young and old, little children and women, in one day. He's he's beyond furious. And we understand that all of this happened, as we looked last week, this happened because Mordecai refused to bow and do reverence to Haman. And then Mordecai conveniently uh, revealed that he was a Jew and that it was against his national heritage, it was against his uh, beliefs that he would bow to this, this man. Yet, we have to understand, or we have to know that this is this is extreme. We've seen men throughout the Bible, Joseph, who refused uh, to uh, to bow down to Potiphar's wife and was thrown in prison, but was raised up to the second in command in all of Egypt. We see Daniel, who purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with a portion of the king's meat, uh, and because of that, he served five different Gentile kings in roles of leadership for each and every one and blessed the nation of Israel. So it can't just be because Mordecai is a Jew and that he is, he is, it goes against his belief that all of this is befalling Israel at this point. We know as we looked at Haman's lineage that he was an Agagite, he was part of the Amalekite tribe that, that came from Esau, that hates Jacob and, and hates everything that Israel is. But it's not just that easy either. There's more to it. So as I was reading through this again and studying, and as like I said, we uh, on our way to Marshalltown to work every day, we listened to the Bible on the drive-in, and and uh, Daniel popped up as the next place we were in the Bible. And I was reminded that Daniel and Mordecai were taken captive at the same time under the king Nebuchadnezzar. In Esther 2.6, the Bible tells us, uh, 2.5, sorry. Now in Shushan the palace, there was a certain Jew whose name was Mordecai, the son of Jair, the son of Shimei, the son of Kish, a Benjamite, who had been carried away from Jerusalem with the captivity, which had been carried away with Je Jeconiah, king of Judah, from Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, and carried away. They were there at the same time. They went through that first siege, and yet Daniel... 
and Mordecai have two completely different outcomes. Nebuchadnezzar came and conquered the land. And we know that God allowed all of that because uh, the Jews needed to be punished. They hadn't hadn't given the land its Sabbath days. They hadn't given it its rest. And and Israel was taken captive into... Uh, was taken into captivity for a time period that was the exact length of all the times that, that Israel had refused to give the land its rest, that they'd have refused to obey God. We also know that the Jews had been worshiping other God, the false gods of the heathens, and, and we know all of this was allowed to happen, that God gave Nebuchadnezzar the kingdom to punish Israel, to bring them back to him. And we know from Daniel chapter 1 that Daniel was taken captive at this time also. So what, what's the difference between the two outcomes? Well, first, let's take a look at Daniel. Daniel would be widely considered as the right outcome. Daniel chapter number 1. Daniel chapter 1 and verse number 1. In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, the king of Judah, came Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, unto Jerusalem and besieged it. And the Lord gave, the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand with part of the vessels of the house of God, which he carried into the land of Shinar to the house of his God. And he brought the vessels into the treasure house of his God. And the king spake unto Ashpenaz, the master of his eunuchs, that he should bring certain of the children of Israel, and of the king's seed, and of the princes, children in whom was no blemish, but well-favored, and skillful in all wisdom, and cunning in knowledge, and understanding, science, and such as had ability in them to stand in the king's palace, and whom they might teach the learning and the tongue of the Chaldeans. And the king appointed them a daily provision of the king's meat and of the wine which he drank, so nourishing them three years that at the end thereof they might stand before the king. Now among these were of the children of Israel, children of Judah, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, unto whom the prince of the eunuchs gave names. For he gave unto Daniel the name Belteshazzar, and to Hananiah of Shadrach, and to Mishael of Meshach, and to Azariah of Abednego. But Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with a portion of the king's meat, nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore he requested of the prince of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. Now we understand from Esther chapter 2 and verse number 6 that Mordecai was carried away. And that Daniel was carried away. And we understand from Daniel chapter 1 right here that the children that were carried away were seen, were either uh, were either children of, of I'm sorry the king spake to Ashpenaz the master of the eunuchs that he should bring certain of the children of Israel and of the king's seed and of the princes children in whom was no blemish but well favored and skillful in all wisdom and cunning in knowledge and understanding science such as had ability in them to stand in the king's palace and whom they might teach the learning and the tongue of the Chaldeans So, if Mordecai and Daniel were both carried away, they both fit this bill. Because what happened during this time was either they were carried away and they served under Nebuchadnezzar, or they were 
seen as less, not able to do anything, and left in the land, or they were killed. So if Mordecai and Daniel were both carried away, there was something different in them. There was something in them that the king saw, or that Ashpenaz saw, that said these should be taught. These should be kept. These can be converted. Now we know the highlights of Daniel's story. Daniel served under five different Gentile kings, and he was in an advisory role to each. Probably the famous of all of this is that he was thrown into the lion's den for praying to God, and he never put, or for praying to God, but he never put the entire nation of Israel in jeopardy of death. So let's quickly take a look at Daniel's time in the lion's den. Daniel chapter six. Daniel chapter 6 and verse number 1. Now we've switched. It's no longer Nebuchadnezzar. It's, it's now Darius. Darius has taken over. Uh, there's been several other kings since then. But uh, Daniel chapter 6 and verse number 1. It pleased Darius to set over the kingdom and 120 princes, which should be over the whole kingdom. Now we know Ahasuerus had 127 provinces. Darius only has 120. So there's still going to be more that's added as the, the next Gentile kings conquer and take over. But it pleased Darius to set over the kingdom in 120 princes, which should be over the whole kingdom. And over these 120 princes, three presidents, of whom Daniel was first, that the princes might give accounts unto them and the king should have no damage. Daniel, as a, a child of God, as a, a, of the, the tribe of Judah, as an Israelite, was set second in command just under the king. He was set over the, the other two presidents, which were over the 120 princes, which ruled the whole kingdom. Verse number three. Sorry. Uh, yeah, verse number three. Then this Daniel was preferred above the presidents and princes because an excellent spirit was in him and the thing the king thought to set him over the whole realm. Then the presidents and princes sought to find occasion against Daniel concerning the kingdom, but they could find none occasion nor fault. For as much as he was faithful, neither was there any error or fault found in him. Daniel was faithful to serve the king. He was faithful to do and have the best interests of the kingdom at heart. The presidents and princes didn't like Daniel. They immediately sought to find a way to get him removed. But the Bible tells us they could find no fault in him concerning the kingdom. Because he was loyal to the kingdom. But let's continue on. Verse number 5, Then said these men, We shall not find any occasion against Daniel, or against this Daniel, except we find it against him concerning the law of his God. Then these presidents and princes assembled together assembled together to the king and said thus unto him, King Darius, live forever. They knew that the only way that they could find something against Daniel is if they could find him, uh, they could twist his service to God against the kingdom. This tells me that not only was Daniel completely loyal to the king and to serving the kingdom, but he was still completely loyal to God. 
Now, we've, we've said it multiple times as we've gone through the book of Esther. God is never mentioned in the book of Esther. He is only vaguely alluded to in the fact that they fast when this decree is signed that all the Jews should be killed. And that's a very vague thing. And the only reason I say that is because fasting was never done by Gentiles. It was only done by the children of God. And fasting always included a time of prayer to God. It was abstaining from something that you desired in order to seek God's face so that he would bless you, so that he could answer your prayer to make it more urgent. It's like Naomi pulling on dad's leg going, dad, 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 dad. That's basically what Israel was doing. That's the only time that, that God is even at all thought of in the book of Esther. But here, the princes and the presidents knew that Daniel served and loved his God. So we continue on. Verse number 7, All the presidents of the kingdom and the governors and the princes, the counselors and the captains, have consulted together. This is the presidents and the princes speaking to Darius. Notice they said, All the presidents of the kingdom, the governors and the princes, the counselors and the captains have consulted together to establish a royal statute and to make a firm decree that whosoever shall ask a petition of any god or man for thirty days, save of thee, O king, he shall be cast into the den of lions. Now, O king, establish the decree and sign the writing that it may not be changed, or that it be not changed according to the law of the Medes and Persians, which altereth not. Wherefore, King Darius signed the writing and the decree. Now, you would think that if the presidents and the princes knew that Daniel served God, that the king would know as well. And we're going to find out very soon that the king does absolutely know that Daniel serves God and knows God by name. You're going to see the king fast to God here before too long. But you need to understand, verse number 7 is very important. Because the presidents lied to the king. They said, we all got together. They didn't go to Daniel. They didn't consult Daniel when they made this statue. But they included him when they went to the king. So I can understand here how the king, knowing who Daniel serves, how he would say, oh, well, Daniel was okay with this. It must be good. It must be right. But the king was lied to. Continue on. Verse number 10. Now when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went into the house, and his windows being opened in his chamber toward Jerusalem, he kneeled upon his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he did aforetime. Daniel didn't change his routine because a law was made. Daniel didn't announce that he was a Jew because a law was made. Daniel did the same thing that he always did. He went and he kneeled facing Jerusalem because to them, to the Jews at that time, the temple in Jerusalem, even though it had been destroyed, was the physical seat of God. That is where they went to do their sacrifices. That is where they went to hear the priest give the word of God. 
That is where they saw God. He did that three times a day. He'd done that three times a day his whole life. Nothing changed. And the princes knew this. Then these men assembled and found Daniel praying and making supplication before his God. Then they came near and spake before the king concerning the king's decree. Hast thou not signed a decree that every man that shall ask a petition of any god of, or man within thirty days, save of thee, O king, shall be cast in the den of lions? The king answered and said, The thing is true, according to the law of the Medes and Persians, which cannot be altered. Then answered they and said before the king, That Daniel, which is of the children of the captivity of Judah, regardeth not thee, O king, nor the decree that thou hast signed, but maketh his petition three times a day. Verse number 14. Then the king, when he heard these words, was sore displeased with himself. He wasn't displeased with Daniel. He was displeased with himself. He knew that he'd screwed up. And set his heart on Daniel to deliver him and labored till the going down of the sun to deliver him. The king spent the rest of the day seeking to find a loophole, to find a way to deliver Daniel from the lion's den. Then these men assembled unto the king and said unto the king, Now, O king, that the law of the Medes and the Persians is that no decree nor statue which the king established may be changed. Then the king commanded, and they brought Daniel and cast him into the dens of, den of lions. Now the king spake and said unto Daniel, Thy God, whom thou servest continually, will deliver thee. Two things in this. The king followed through. He did exactly what he said he was going to do. He, he sought every way possible to deliver Daniel. And when he couldn't, he followed through. The second thing is, Daniel went willingly. Daniel knew he broke the law. He knew he disobeyed the king, and he was willing to die for it. He was willing to pay for it. But the greatest thing in all of this is, the king says to Daniel as he puts him in the den, your God will deliver you. Not, I hope you're okay. Not, I think your God can do it. Your God will deliver you. And the stone was brought and laid upon the mouth of the den, and the king sealed it with his own signet and with the signet of his lords, that the purpose might not be changed concerning Daniel. Then the king went to his palace and passed the night fasting. Neither were instruments of music brought before him, and his sleep went from him. The Gentile king who served a multitude of other gods fasted to God the creator, the God of Daniel, to deliver Daniel from the lion's den. Notice in all of this, all of this, 
Daniel is the only one in trouble. Daniel is the only one paying for this mistake. Then we go back to the book of Esther. And we see Mordecai who refused to bow. And now the entire nation of Israel has a death sentence on them. What's the difference? Mordecai lived the same time as Daniel. He lived through Nebuchadnezzar. He saw Nebuchadnezzar rise. He saw the giant statue built that everybody was to bow down to when Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were thrown into the fiery furnace and delivered by God. He saw Nebuchadnezzar be re- reject the God of, of creation and be thrown out as a beast to eat grass in the field and be covered with the dew and then be restored. He saw the hand right on the wall, meaning, meaning, tekel yufarsim, that you've been weighed in the balances and found wanting. He saw that kingdom, that king removed and destroyed that very night. He saw Darius rise up. He saw Daniel get thrown into the den of lions. Yet Daniel consistently delivered the nation of Israel through all of those troubles, all of those trials, without a scratch. It's because Mordecai was conveniently a Jew. Daniel purposed in his heart from the very beginning. Mordecai just got comfortable. We also need to understand that the laws that Darius wrote during his time are still in effect here in the book of Esther. The kings had been changed, but they were still being ruled by the Medes and the Persians. The history was still there. So now we're going to get back to Haman. And we're going to see some things in Haman that we saw in the presidents and princes in Daniel. Haman meets with the king in verse number 8. And Haman said unto king Ahasuerus, There is a certain people scattered abroad. There is a certain people scattered abroad and dispersed among the people in all provinces. Their laws are diverse from all people. Neither keep they the king's laws. Therefore it is not for the king's profit to suffer them. Liar. Just like the princes and the presidents had lied when they included Daniel, Haman was lying in saying that they didn't keep the king, the Jews, the whole nation of Israel didn't keep the king's laws. Yes, their laws are slightly diverse. They put God above man. But just like for us today, God's command for them was to obey those that had authority above them unless they differed from God. If their rules contradicted God, then you follow God. But if their rules didn't contradict God, you follow the rules. 
Haman took part of the actions of one man and disparaged a whole nation. This is the absolute epitome of racism and stereotyping. And it's wrong. Even the Jews that had returned to Jerusalem under previous kings that were there to rebuild the temple, when the king said stop, they stopped. Now, God wanted the temple rebuilt. But even then, the king said, no, you need to stop. You can't build the temple anymore. So they stopped for a space. And then the king came to his senses and said, wait a minute, this has already been proclaimed this has already been applied for this is this can't be changed this has to be done this is us today we are to obey the, to obey those that have the rule over us as long as those laws don't contradict God's law that's right but Haman finishes talking to the king with it is not for the king's profit to suffer them. He says they're not worth it. They're worthless. This is the very idea that Hitler had when he tried to kill all the Jews. This is the thinking that led to the idea of an inferior race that aren't even human that gave way to slavery here and all over the world. I didn't bring them with me today. We, we need to have a church work day and relabel some tracks with a new address. And But one of the new tracks that I got is the story of John Newton. John Newton wrote Amazing Grace. <laughs> the thing about <clears throat> John Newton is, John Newton was a wicked evil man. He was a slave trader. He was a drunk. His own crew hated him so much that when he fell overboard, instead of sending a lifeboat, they threw a harpoon at him. They stuck him in the leg with a harpoon to drag him back in the boat. They hated him. But God got a hold of him. God changed his life. This idea that Haman is putting forth here that the, that the Jews are worthless is what Rosa Parks, Martin Luther King Jr., and Malcolm X were all fighting against. Now, I'm not holding up any of those people. But I hate to say it that this viewpoint is still held by some Christians today. We walk down the street and we see people that we immediately say they're just not worth it. They'll never be anything but trash. So why try? Now apparently, Haman did understand that they meant something to the king because he wants to pay those that would kill them 10,000 talents of silver. But it sealed their fate. The king likes this idea so much 
Now, notice, Haman never said it was the Jews. Haman never said it was Mordecai's people. And Esther has never revealed herself to be a Jew at this point. I don't know if that would have made a difference. I don't know if Esther saying, I am a Jew, would have made the king go, oh, light bulb, maybe I shouldn't do this. But the king gives Haman his ring, tells him to write the letters. They seal the letters with his ring, with his insignia. And then the king hastens the messengers so that this can be done. But notice how far Haman's wrath has gone. We talked about it just a little bit ago, but in verse number 13, he wants to destroy, to kill, and to cause to perish all the Jews, both young and old, little children and women. Not just destroy, not just kill, not just cause to perish, but all three. And then he gives those that act this out permission to take the spoil from the dead. An entire nation is doomed in just a few short months. Israel, without intercession from God, will be destroyed. And what does the king and Haman do after signing a million death warrants? And the king and Haman sat down to drink but the city of Shushan was perplexed. You might look at this and think, how could they be so callous? How could they not care that they're destroying millions of lives? Yet, we see the world around us suffering and on their way to hell, not knowing if there will be a tomorrow and we turn a blind eye. How many people do we meet each day that are close enough to touch and we don't say a word? We sit next to them in the doctor's office waiting for our appointments. We pay them for our merchandise. We watch them pump gas just a few feet away. And yet we're silent. How much different are we than King Ahasuerus and Haman? Next week, we're going to continue on and we're going to see Mordecai's reaction. And it's going to be just as over the top as Haman's was. But in all this, I want you to remember... Daniel purposed in his heart that he wouldn't defile himself. And God blessed it. And Israel was never put in jeopardy because of what Daniel did. Mordecai waited until he was in trouble to reveal that he was a Jew. There's been, I think when we looked at it the first lesson, there's been 80 plus years at this point, 
from when Nebuchadnezzar took over to where we are now in the book of Esther. Are we Christians when it's convenient? Or have we purposed in our heart that we wouldn't defile ourselves with the world? 